0: Hello, welcome. Uh, I see that you've all found Connor's basement that we've recently broken into, and uh, we're here with our big old milk crate of vinyls, talking about the the works of Connor Oberst. This is
1: episode one proper. Uh, I'm Jesse, and joining me is—I I think he's on the way. Did you want me to? Did you want me to go? No, all right. I'm Chris. I'm Chris. I'm joining. Yeah. I mean, I kind of felt bad putting. Uh, Putting Connor's address, obviously, on the internet for everyone to get to, but I did, I did feel like I we wanted everyone in in the basement, right? So, I oh yeah, it's okay. I mean, once you bash in like that rain window uh, <laughs>
0: down down on the side of the house, everyone can just crawl in. It becomes uh, public property at that point. Oh yeah,
1: as soon as like the outside and the inside, there's that gray area. Like it's just free <laughs> rain. <laughs> Ultimately, that's how we ended up here. We saw a window open. And then I think with squatters rights, we just laid stake to the property. We really should have looked into Omaha's uh, squatters (laughs) rights (laughs) laws (laughs) before we did this. But (laughs) oh, well, you live and learn, right? Yeah. Well, we all make mistakes and uh, ours are just going to be on the Internet. (sighs) Some things you say you can't take back.
0: (laughs) So just be glad you. Oh fuck! I fucked up the lyrics. I'm not a That's real okay. Connor fan.
1: Yeah, I've been outed. Oh, I'm gonna have to. All right, guys. So uh, we're we're starting a new search for a, a, a new co-caster. Uh, <laughs> so just comment your favorite Bright Eyes lyric and PayPal me a hundred dollars for your chance to be considered.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, since I'm contractually obligated to continue working in Connor's basement um, and not get arrested from the Omaha. Uh, Squatter's uh, Rights Police, I I have to help with the search. So just uh, make sure you send your
1: uh, $30 application fee to my PayPal account. We're running a racket. That's that's what this is. This is a podcast, but it's actually a front for our money laundering scheme.
0: We couldn't have picked a better demographic of
1: people to swindle money from. (laughs) What are we going to be talking about today? I mean, although I'm sure the title will... We haven't come up with one yet for this episode, but I'm sure it'll give it away. But for for the folks, what are we going to be talking about today?
0: Oh, well, we are going to be talking about a very, very special set of songs. Um, we are going to be talking about the four songs that are present on the Mariana Trench EP, and these four songs are the first songs in nine years since Bright Eyes officially stated that they're not going to do anything anymore, that, that that's it, that People's Key was it, that was the last Bright Eyes thing we're going to get, and lo and behold, we got Persona Non Grata.
1: Yeah, a, a party that both Nate and Connor were at. You know, I'm sure people have have spread the interview, but they decided that they wanted to get the band back together. Nate and Connor run into the bathroom, call Mike on the phone. He's like, hell yeah. And then all of a sudden, here we are. However, long later, uh, finally getting music and we're less than a month away from the actual album release date, too. That's it. That's usually how those things go, I guess, like. Calling, get a calling bunch people from a bathroom yeah.
0: to tell the band's getting back together. I mean, that's how I imagined all creative endeavors start. Like, <laughs> like I think we get, like, why don't we just make the headcanon that we decided that uh, we were going to do this podcast. Uh, we went into a bathroom together, went into separate stalls and called each other and then had a lengthy discussion um, about, about the, the power, power of myth. myth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, we're friends. Uh, so down, down in the weeds, uh, where the world once was, that's the name of, of the album and, uh, Mariana Trench EP, I guess, you, cause usually, you know, bright eyes has come out with an EP before each of their records. Although this one is kind of different because it's four songs on the record. So it's less of a traditional EP where you would have, where it's literally an extended play where you have one song from your your LP and then a couple of songs maybe that were left on the cutting room floor or that are thematically in the same area. Uh, But this is more kind of like our new way of doing things in the digital and streaming world where you'll put out. Multiple songs for the same record. Honestly, it helps with streaming numbers because you listen to Return on Grata and then One and Done comes out, and you lit or was Force Cobb Force Molescence came first, and then you listen to both of those because they're their own separate album on Spotify, and yeah.
0: Right. It's like, it's like, uh, the EPs have this exponential nature where like the first one has one song. The second one has two, the third one has three. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I would imagine that if you've got people excited about, uh, an artist putting out songs that you'll just keep racking up the views instead of like, you know, doing something silly like taking down the first EP to put it up again with the next song. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, uh, that's how um, Punisher was, right? Like it, same mm-hmm. same format. Each song got its own EP
1: with the previous songs on it, just to build up the hype train. Well, it's the music industry. You gotta you gotta make that money. Obviously, being released on the same label as Punisher as well. But yeah, it, it's kind of so. It, it is a little different in a sense. I mean, obviously, you have the same members, but you know, the release cycle is at least going to be a little bit different. Mm. Uh, I mean, you had mentioned it. It had been nine years since the last uh, last Friday's record, People's Key. Nine years ago, we were finishing up our first year of undergrad man. Oh man, wild times, wild times.
0: Uh,
1: it it Bad felt... times.
0: <laughs> it was I, I have a distinct, really uh, shitty memory that um, I don't know if I've even ever told you this outside of the podcast, but I guess this is confession time. Um, So I was in a really bad position when the people's key album dropped. So Mm -hmm. I had like um, a pretty long paper that I had completely procrastinated on the night that that album came out. And I was just so stressed about this paper that like I couldn't feel the full feels of that album dropping because I was so like bogged down and stressed by schoolwork and mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you look back and you're like why did I let something so insignificant as a college paper like get in the way of you know feeling feelings and experiencing art and something that I enjoy when really the answer was like to do the normal college thing and go up to the professor and be like, ah, computer problems. You know how shit be, man. (laughs) You know, the the professor has no idea what's going on in the realm of technology. Right. Um, Or like, you know, purposefully scramble your own file so that when they get the email, they can't open it. And it's like, oh, no, I guess. Oh, geez. I'll go home right away and send that to you. And then the next morning, I'll send it over completed. Like, I should have done that instead of, you know, ignoring the, the drop of, at the time, the last album from my favorite band.
1: Oh, well, you know, you're too you're too honest for stuff like that. Mm. You, you, leave the subterfuge for us uh, disillusioned folk, you know? Uh, I'm yeah. trying to be more degenerate. I'm trying, I swear. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, at that point in my life, 2011 w- w- was just like, I was reaching new lows. Like I didn't know how bad it would get, but I was <laughs> reaching new lows. Oh no. Uh, so like, you know, th- that album, and we'll save it for when we talk about People's Key, but just to give some context on like why this album feels more so important, but like um, People's Key for me, it became one of my favorite records because like it was there when I needed it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like now here we are, uh, nine years later, we're in the midst of. You, you hear this? I, I, every single piece of media you've listened to in the past two months. We're in the midst of a global pandemic in these um, unprecedented times. In these unpre- you know, make sure you shop Ford because we. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We're, so we're like living through what will become a new. Way of being. <laughs> A new way of being and something that actually can bring us all together. We talk in, in grad school about cohort cohort effects, things like 9-11, where everybody can look at each other and say, where were you? This will be something like that for everyone going through this right now. So we're like going through literally a collective trauma. We are. Uh, I'm only
0: laughing because it's like the answer, where were you? It's like uh,
1: everyone's gonna be like in my room staring at the <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I mean this I mean this is literally stuff we're gonna be talking to our like kids, grandkids about. But then again, like here we we have this Bright Eyes record that we can connect to, which is why I think so many of us listen to them. But at the same time, no one could have predicted this when the announcement first came out in the beginning of the year.
0: Right. And I mean, like it, it
1: what, we made plans to see
0: Bright Eyes. Yep. And it's like, we oh, all- yeah, We uh, still, the still sweet have tickets. Babies. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I guess we technically still own the tickets, but- We do. <laughs> Uh, what is it? The, the recent announcement? Like it's not going to be until 2022 where they go back on tour? Last information I got was a while ago, but it was 2021. It's still like a hell of a thing to, to like make plans and then be like, oh, rain check for a whole year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For a, for a whole plague. Well, of this album hype that started in January, I mean, I was talking to anybody who will listen and even those who wouldn't. Like, you don't (laughs) understand. Like, I've loved this band for so long. It's been nine years. Uh, But at the same time, you know, we have been fed music. Obviously, Connor didn't stop making music. He's collaborated with the members of Bright Eyes. Uh, But there's something different, right, about a Bright Eyes album because it has all of those different pieces. The Holy Trinity is back together again. Right, exactly. Uh, and and the first of those songs was Persona Non Grata.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel bad because I feel like I'm kind of stealing the words out of your mouth, because I think the first thing that, that you said that we kind of agreed on was that this was a super strong way to break that nine-year silence then the first Bright Eyes album that we get is perhaps the most fevers and mirrors thing we had heard in a really long time. Um, I don't know if you if you still agree with me and you want to build on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I was writing notes, that was uh, the first thing I think that we even said to each other when we listened to it was how reminiscent it was. Uh, I think what does that is a lot about the instrumentation, the arrangement, you know, you have, it's very, it's a very sad song, you know, why is that minor chords and all that sort of thing, but also flute was featured very prominently on uh Fevers and Mirrors where you have the bagpipes here and, and mm, you know they, that's a good point. They did say this is the first time using bagpipes, but they're both woodwinds. They both have like a similar sound that you you can get from them. But one thing I do think is interesting to note is that Nate wasn't a part of Bright Eyes yet when Fevers and Mirrors came out. Oh, interesting. so you have Nate who obviously took the main composition on this was able to bring mm. back the sound, bring back this feeling that he was not a part of. I will say, when I first heard it, I loved it, but I was afraid that this Bright Eyes record could become Bright Eyes by name, but Conor Oberst by essence. You know what I mean? Where yeah. this could have just been another Conor album with Bright Eyes slapped um, on top. But I think the more I listened to it, the more I learned like what was going on behind the scenes and then hearing the other singles, I, I that kind of fear went away. Um, And I really did grow to appreciate just how much each of them bring to the table in this.
0: Yeah. Just like, it's sometimes hard to separate. uh, And this isn't just bright eyes. I personally like as a non-musical person, it is really difficult for me to sometimes remember that it's not just the lead singer who's running the show. And Mm -hmm. as much as that's easy because it's like the kind of the face of the band, it's, you know, the 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 most prominent member that you would hear. I feel like if this wasn't Bright Eyes and Connor put this out under his own name, I would I would go to you and say like, wow, that new Connor song sounds like it should be on a Bright Eyes album, right? Like it just, it has that feel, uh, you know, yeah. to, to my amateur ears. That's, it absolutely sounds
1: like, you know, I, I can't describe it, but I know it when I hear it. Exactly. I think there, there's definitely a lot of that because I look it, it, at the end of the day, you're, you end up splitting hairs because like you said, it's hard to, it's hard to separate them, but also like Mike has been a part of helping produce a number of Conor Oberst records. So even, even if, you know, you end up missing some of Nate's, um, compositional genius really, or uh, whatever, like there's still a shape that comes into play because Mike is still a part of that kind of thing. So, you know, we do tend to focus on Connor. He's the one that writes the lyrics and, and he's the one that sings. You get that more like personal parasocial. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but definitely given the fact that they do still collaborate, you end up splitting hairs. The more you try to, pull away like, well, this is what Connor is, but this is what Connor is with Mike, and this is what he is without him, and then this is what they all three sound together. And, you know, you could just keep going, and it, at the end of the day, it just becomes too complex.
0: Right, right. And I think, you know, you kind of have to just trust that, know it when you hear it mentality, and mm-hmm. and just get, get, come up with your ideas or, like, what that thing sounds like especially someone like me who doesn't do as deep research into like the production side as you do. Um, I am really just kind of going off of, of feeling and you know, what I'm, what I'm perceiving as far as like their direction seems to be going and that kind of thing. Right. And kind of on the the topic of that, I am finding kind of a difficult, kind of difficult to talk about persona non grata as a song on its own, because it's, in. I'd be curious to see where it falls with it as a whole album. Mm -hmm. Like it has that melancholy of um, very like uh, fevers and mirrors and letting off the happiness of like, I'm at a party, but I can't, I'm just not fitting in and not necessarily because I'm, you know, ostracized by my peers, but it's just like, you know, that line from digital ash, I'm completely alone at a table of friends. Like, yeah. you know, you just sometimes the, the mood hits you and you you can't get into it. And so you're you find yourself in the village on Halloween dressed in some stupid costume and wishing you weren't there. And then you get, you know, the deep thoughts where if no one's pulling you out, you start thinking of homelessness and uh, visions of the apocalypse. Yeah. You know, like that
1: Ezekiel's visions. I think um, I, I think, too, that reminds me of something that I wanted to mention as well, like musically throughout the you know, I won't get to it in like, oh, yeah, it's in the key of B minor, yada, yada, yada. But like what ends up happening is throughout the song, what you hear, it sounds really interesting uh, because it is in the key of B minor, but you have these F sharp majors and that like. There there are different types of, um, I guess, categories of, of minor scales and things like that. So you can create different chords with them. So what ends up happening is, you know, you're in the key of B minor and throughout the song, you're using an F sharp major at the end of each phrase, so uh, look look up the chords or something like that if you're interested to like see a visual while I'm talking about it. But then at the end of the song, after hearing F sharp majors, which they have a little bit of spice because they're a certain category of that minor scale. At the end of it, you hear an F sharp minor, uh, which is a contrast. And again, you know people generally hear major happy, minor sad. So it ends on, a, on an even darker tone. And part of me wonders, with the next song in the album, I'm curious to know how that then blends into the next song. Because they've set it up in this specific way, all, the entire song. And then just the last chord you hear is that minor. I wonder where it's going into. As a single, it works really well. Because it, will, it leaves you hanging as to,
0: like, is this going to continue in the album to go downhill? Or is it going to be, like, one of those nice subversions where we get, like, a, like uh, anything ranging from, you know, melancholy with a happy ending or even just, like, a straight-up soppy happy song, which is not that out of the realm of reality <laughs> yeah. in Bright Eyes. Like, um, uh, uh, name escapes my life. Me. Well, yeah, first day of my life, like, the, the, the epitome of, like, the sweet soppiness. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, I'm going to mess up the name, theme of uh, from Piñata, which is just like on that level, like as soppy. And it does come mm-hmm. kind of out of left field towards the end of the album where everything was really going downhill. Um, <laughs> the and then drug you've got this- The
1: drug-fueled like, The
0: drug-fueled depressed album. And then you get this lovely soppy little song yeah. before, you know, uh, getting thrown right back in. I'm curious where this, if, you know, that is- going to be how this song is couched. I'd be curious to see like where it fits in with the the rest of the the, the
1: story of the album. And, and you know, the last thing I, I want to throw out there for persona non grata is like lyrically, I know you, you touched, uh, touched upon like that kind of stuff with Ezekiel's visions, but personally, like I think about this as being a great case study for what I think makes Connor's lyrics. So engaging uh, it, it's beca- like for me, the theme is is pretty obvious a lot of that comes with the music too like i said major happy minor sad so you hear it and you're like i'm supposed to feel sad right now and i do feel sad like the theme is kind of obvious and simple uh and you kind of get those notes of i I don't want to specifically say adultery but some kind of betrayal or something like that Um, Right, right but then the references specific references he make can be very esoteric and and keep you wondering like on the surface where the stained glass of crimson meets Ezekiel's vision saw a valley of bones where no man shall be saved. Like when I just hear that, I'm like, what the, f- what, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not versed in the Bible. Like I, I could Google it, find that kind of stuff out, whatever. But I think, it also, without having to look anything up, it evokes some of those words, uh, religion, death, regret. Like the theme is universal. It's there, but it's not explicit, you know? And I, I think that's, for me, what makes Connor's lyric so awesome.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think that the, the fact that everything is so... A lot of the lines are really not wordy. This is actually kind of a a quick quickly paced song as far as the lyrics go Mm -hmm. and like you're you're spot on where you don't necessarily need to understand the the connection between like any sort of uh, biblical story and what is being said because it's you know everything is leading up to that and i think that's kind of uh in the song at least where like shit hits the fan as far as the tension of the song you start with like something kind of like, oh, I'm bummed at a Halloween party. And then slowly yet quickly, it builds to that that very apocalyptic imagery, like mm-hmm. a valley of bones. And then right from there, it goes to that talking about reconciliation with somebody. And it's like, oh, even if, even if you really don't want to dig too deep into it, like the, the fact that they're juxtaposed right there tells you like, there's something not right with this relationship. Right. Um, And I'm curious to see how that, or if that is explored further in the album.
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as they did mention, uh, I think Connor said in an interview, like this was going to be more personal than it was like political or Mm. anything like that. And, you know, so I, I think we're definitely getting more of that classic Connor, just like, you know, whether the stories are biographical or otherwise, because we know that he's, symbolism and allegory to reach your goals as as the fake interview on uh beavers <laughs> and mirrors tells us yeah um so you know i i also maybe just a, a good um kind of note to make is i i i do a few times mention like connor 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 but you could just replace that with the protagonist of the story or whatever yeah uh, i i think it's an easy shorthand he's Because he's the author and they come from a personal place, uh, whether it's him or someone else in the story. We'll often, like you said, just sub out the
0: the speaker of the song to Connor, (laughs) just because it's easy. But I think unless we're going to actually bring up, you know, like he said in an interview or something where there's concrete evidence and not just us, you know... Sticking our noses into somebody's private life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just assume that when we're talking about Connor in regards to somebody in a song, that we're talking about like that, the speaker of the song. Yeah, it's just yeah. really a mouthful when you have to keep saying, well, the speaker, the speaker, the speaker of the yeah. song. Whereas Connor's just, it's more fun to say and it, it helps build that
1: parasocial relationship we have with him. And we'll get him on the show eventually. <laughs> But oh, of course, yeah, because we're blowing up already. Oh, yeah, we're doubt. doing numbers. Well, I do think that this is actually a funny uh, segue, maybe into forest convalescence, because mm, throughout the yeah. entirety of this, I do, I do think it it has a lot to do with Connor, uh, just given uh, the cyst uh, cyst in his brain from a few years ago that was so. It was public, and it was very much featured in his solo work that was coming out on the time. So it's not a stretch to say uh, stretch to say that it could be related to to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a fun segue into maybe uh, talking <laughs> about <laughs> forced convalescence. Huh?
0: Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a good one. I kind of also want to say like what what kind of struck me as interesting, unless there's something about. The, the, the man, Connor Oberst, that there's a discrepancy in the song that I don't know whether is um, supposed to, like... We had talked about this uh, off-recording, about how there might be some elements of parallel universes or, like, alternate timelines going on in the album because there is references to, like, his children... And Mm -hmm. to my knowledge, he doesn't have kids. Connor Oberst doesn't have kids. But in the song, Connor, the character, uh, there's references to to kids. Mm -hmm. It it feels like if we're going to follow the track of this being a more personal album, that maybe we're going to explore possibility in the literal sense. Like maybe we're going to get songs about like, uh, it wouldn't be the first time where Connor explores like a possibility that isn't like you are your mother's child is the kind of the, the epitome of that of like a song to a kid he doesn't have. Right. Right. And like at, at a time uh, in that speaker's life, the speaker of the song, which is doesn't match up with where Connor is in his life.
1: Yeah. I, I I definitely buy into the idea. So like my, my idea for the theme of the song and and, like what I, what I think is coming through is it's called forced convalescence. I do want to talk about the fact that it's named forced convalescence. So he's healing from what I assume to be the the cyst on his brain. And for me, I think he's focusing on maybe like how he kept himself entertained, what thoughts when were going through mm. his mind, um, those kinds of things, those kinds of like daydreams, and what is, what does the future hold. Uh, once he heals and and those sorts of things. But I do also think maybe daydreaming and thinking about this idea of the multiverse, which he explicitly does say in the song, it kind of could lead credence to, lend credence rather, uh, to the idea that there are multiple different realities happening at once. And maybe in one of them, he's, the, he's his desolate self and others, he has kids. So he's ha- leading just like kind of a, a boring regular life and, and those kinds of things and having to sort of contend with the banality of existence of <laughs> taxes and uh and housework. Some shit we won't have to deal with for a good
0: decade or so, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, we we can cut that if we if we wanna keep the image of us being like
1: in our fuckable young twenties if if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut
0: this too if that's too <laughs> unpalatable.
1: <laughs> no, honestly, uh I I figured we would just get even dirtier and grittier into mm. our our lives. So, yeah, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before like we're sharing, we're oversharing our,
0: our yeah. like personal lives. Yeah. Um forced convalescence also it it has and again, amateur like no musical experience or talent. Um, it has a very upbeat feel to it. And despite yeah. the, if you took away the lyrics, I don't know if you would guess the depth to which there is that sort of either identity crisis or like, I don't know, like what happens in a in a midlife crisis? What happens when you ca- uh, catastrophize your 40th birthday? Is it, mm-hmm. do you do these sort of things where you're like, you know, you do that on a daily basis where you wonder how things would have been different if you chose a different path. Um, and then I can only imagine, you know, being forced to not move to be trapped, you know, in the hospital or wherever one recovers. You can only imagine the the kind of insanity you go through if you can't bring yourself out of thinking about all those possibilities. Um, and I do I think that's interesting that it's the, the song itself is juxtaposed uh,
1: to the lyrics in such a way to, to be really dark. And this is just a short point yeah. to, to be very dark with it. Honestly, when I read you, when I thought about it, forced convalescence. I almost thought of someone that's just like, I don't want to do this. Like, let me go. Oh, I, I could see that as well. <laughs> Like, which is like
0: or someone I, being like uh, basically imprisoned in in their recovery because it's like yeah if we don't lock him down he's just going to keep destroying himself. Yeah. Which you know in a in a in a later song that we're going to get to is uh also kind of a theme. There was a line in uh, Mariana Trench that had that feel to me. But we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm not I'm going to jump there. the gun.
1: Yeah, I uh, other lyrics I think for this that really kind of stuck out to me. I mean, I, I mean, just overall, again, I think a lot of it has to do, it, for me, you know, and, and the way I perceive this, is that idea of, of parallel universes and what does what the Connor in Dimension 631 see versus this one, all that kind of stuff. But I kept going back to the line, amazed by the haystack, needle to oblivion. And again, it's one of those lines that, like, it, it makes you feel a certain way and you're not sure. But I decided, like, I wanted to, throw my hat in the ring and trying to decipher it a little bit. Because I feel like maybe the song has a bit to do with memories as well. Because in that little uh, interlude area, I think what you had written down and kind of what I hear is, did I forget something? So I think the song could have to do with memory, whether your specific one or shared uh, memory. So maybe... Uh, amazed by the haystack needle to oblivion is like the wonderment of when you zoom out what you can see, you can see the entire haystack, but we spend a lot of time searching for the needle. And once you find the needle, you can't see anything else. You know, you can't see the forest from the trees. So that's, I guess the way I interpreted the, uh, the lyric was when you're searching for the haystack or a needle in the haystack. You lose sight of the entire haystack because you're so focused on this one thing your life, your day. What are you going to do next? That you can't focus on anything else that's going on around you, the larger picture.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely buy that. And um, I think like those lyrics that precede it um, just keep tagging along until the feeling is gone. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you can. You know, to, that, that expression, a uh, needle in the haystack. I don't remember where, like, what the origin of it is, but the... the you inco- call yourself a literary major. I know, I'm just, I'm a hack Pathetic. fraud. No, it's okay. As you listen to these episodes, you'll know that I've gone by purely on um, sounding like I'm intelligent. And <laughs> just doing a really good job with the smoke and mirrors. Um, but, like, it's, it's the idea of... Uh, an, an impossible or extremely tedious task, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's almost not worth doing. But it, it seems like coupling, just keep tagging along until the feeling is gone, is kind of what happens when you go through with it anyway. And you're just hellbent on finding this one thing and not standing back. And like you said, seeing the forest for the trees. If you're hellbent on finding one tree or one twig on the forest floor, then you commit everything else to oblivion, like it, it almost doesn't matter anymore.
1: I, I, there's just so much I think that it, we could dig in, I literally <laughs> lyric by lyric, um, and I, th- I think there's a lot that you can you can come up with. But yeah, I I, I think those those sorts of lines that keep you like coming back to like. It, it sticks in your head, like what does he mean by that? Why does that resonate with me? Think I those are the ones that I always, you know, want to focus on. And and I think for the at the risk of going a little overboard, what do you say that we go to one and done? I love this song. Honestly, I for I saw, okay, it's a microcosm, but some of the reception I saw online was a little lukewarm. But this one actually like I think I I liked it from the start. I think it might even be my favorite of the bunch, but I, I think it's because of that huge digital ash clo- uh closer. But then I also get a lot of Casadega with the strings and all that kind of stuff throughout the song too. You completely like hit on all the points that I wanted. <laughs> uh, like
0: <laughs> digital ash was such a strong like that. Uh, if you had told me that this was a song from Digital Ash that just didn't make it and they like dug it out and said, ah, let's uh, let's throw <laughs> that on the record. Dust off the old Thor track yeah. machine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this would have fit perfectly. Uh, yeah. This almost feels like, not in theme, but musically, like this reminded me very much of Devil in the Details. Okay. I, and I'm not really sure why. Um, maybe it was just the like that the really heavy bass towards the end of the song, mm-hmm. or like in that little interstitial moment where there's like um, the bass coupled with the piano and the strings. Uh, I just it it felt very much like it belonged on uh, Digital Ash, and yeah, and the strings too feel very much at home uh, in Casadega.
1: Yeah, I, and I think this sonically, I think it's also what separates a Conor Oberst record from a Bright Eyes record. Like, you wouldn't hear a song like this on a Conor Oberst album. And I think Nate's arrangements, I I mean, it really, the more time I really spend on it, I I grow to appreciate what he does even more. Like, his arrangements and Mike's production, I think, really kind of transformed this singer songwriter into kind of a full-blown band production which is obviously the point of it being a band and not just <laughs> under counterovers right 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 uh, yeah I, I i think the the song is so wonderfully done i'm pretty sure this one has uh flea on bass as well from red hot chili peppers which i think is really cool because nate toured with them so you know a little connection there uh so like hmm. you yeah Oh, God, you get this really smooth bass line played by a really great bassist, and oh, it, it, it all comes together for me in this song. Well, sounds like you liked it. I, I, I honestly, like I said, I think it's my my favorite, my favorite one uh, of of the bunch.
0: Like I, I'm coming around to that opinion. At when I first heard it, I was kind of down on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was maybe because it was coming off the tail end of forced convalescence. And it's like, I feel like I am very biased towards fast songs. Okay. And if you if you follow a fast song with a slow song, you've already kind of lost me. Because like, in my head, you've got this momentum going. And then to like, cut that off and slow it down. I don't know, something, something about me resists giving it a chance. Uh, but then, you know, I've since listen to it over and over again and it's just it's fantastic lyrically and musically I just I dig this song so much yeah um, and especially because like I do really like digital ash and a digital urn and th- like that connection to
1: me is so strong that I also really like it for that reason too well one of the things I think about the lyrics too is like it's so reminiscent of bright eyes era Connor which I feel does have a different vibe than than the solo stuff even lyrically not just sonically because like who else in their right mind, would rhyme Anthropocene with MC? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like it's, it's so good. Vaguely fits, and you're like, who, who puts that in a song? And it reminds me so much of those like beautiful sounding lyrics, um, like in "I Believe in Symmetry." Like, oh god, when it when it's the latter half of the song, uh, we'll save it when we talk about Digital Lash. But like, right. oh god, it, it just those were the lyrics that made me understand like this guy is just on a different level. So one thing that I found that was really interesting
0: with all of these songs, and when we do kind of like our wrap up of this episode, I'll kind of bring this more to the forefront, but like I find some of the references that Connor makes in these lyrics interesting. And I'm curious like what the overall theme of the album is going to be given these little hints that we've got. So the one that I want to focus on, Uh, I don't have the, the stanzas labeled, so it's not the first time you said one and done, and oh my god, and oh my god. Stood in your prom dress all covered in blood. What you sacrificed will never be enough. And so... Prom Dress All Covered in Blood is a reference to Carrie, I believe. Okay. Um, and it's uh, a book by Stephen King about a girl with, like, latent psychic abilities made into a famous movie. And then well, let's keep a pin in the whole, like, what you sacrifice will never be enough. So I'm curious, like, what this – you're invoking this girl who is bullied uh, in the film. Like, she gets her first period. She gets mocked for it. And then they kind of set her up at prom – to like kind of be a center of attention. And then they douse her in pig's blood. And then she absolutely loses her mind after that. And Mm -hmm. uh, then starts using her psychic powers. I don't know. Like it's an interesting thing to bring up. And I'm curious, like, is it just, are we supposed to look at that as like woman being destructive and emotional? And that's the connection we're supposed to see? Like this one and done, is it supposed to be like a bad relationship turned sour? Is that what the Oh My God is about? Is that what the sacrifice is? I don't know. I just think it's a curious uh, image and a curious reference to bring into the song.
1: I, I definitely think uh, hopefully a lot of those answers do get, or questions get answers with the whole album when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, thematically, I I felt like it, it mirrored some on Approximate Sunlight. Mm. Uh, actually with confusion and anxiety and grief and those sorts of things. Uh, I actually, I highlighted the prom just line. I didn't uh, make the Carrie connection, um, but I kind of thought it was like um, the quinceanera line. Uh, Oh yeah. The the Quincinera dress she bought was unstitched with bullets. Those, that sort of thing too. So obviously I do think you're correct with Carrie, like just hearing the way you explained it Mm. makes a lot of sense, but it wouldn't also surprise me if that's also being used as a vehicle for this kind of like such opulence, you know, prom, a era, such misery, and bringing in those two kind of competing uh, feelings, uh, or right, you know, or when- or how
0: like a good magical moment is ruined through violence. Right, like Like, I'm sure that the girl who's celebrated her quinceanera is not responsible for her fate. That was definitely (laughs) the the machinations of, you know, other people. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe there's also the idea of an innocent bystander, and so instead of like the the girl being shot to death, it's a girl who exacts her revenge. Um, Right. Yeah. I'm curious that. Yeah. I just again, like you said, there's so many ways that you can like.
1: Just tear apart these lyrics I'm curious to see what other people come up with and whether they think we're like no this is absolutely wrong you're like dumb you're stupid like cool like what's your idea <laughs> right like, I right. want to hear like I totally agree give me something like I'm I so want to know I so want to learn those sorts of things but yeah it, it's definitely with any text with any so any all art right art is subjective and we know this and like it gets repeated and you're you are Freshman level classes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's always cool to see the different theories. I I it would be really awesome if someone has a completely wild, out there idea about it because at the end of the day, it's just as valid uh, of an opinion as long as you've got some kind of argument to back it up.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, and and we can we can sort of uh, do this off uh off recording but it would be fun to like maybe find a place like reddit or something and and start a conversation and i don't know how many people um are one listening to this right now and two of those people listening right now uh have reddit accounts and want to talk to us i have a feeling a lot of people have reddit accounts these days i'm sure i mean i have one (laughs) i probably should dust off for the sake of like fan interaction
1: you know all you all you basement dwellers out there all our fans all (laughs) All our fan uh... My mom, uh, you, yeah, us, uh, us, the two people running it. Uh, hopefully, Mike. Sure. No, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this podcast. Oh, just, you actually disliked it on Facebook. Quite <laughs> yeah. did that. We've got one more. Really, what I think was supposed to be the lead single, like the real, uh, the real single. Like this felt like something that would kill on the radio, which is why I think this is the one that went on colbert when they played it
0: oh yeah and and i think like this is purely anecdotal but like the the indie radio station that i listened to uh in the car and then the uh alternative radio station both of them i've heard play this song quite a lot and not as much the other ones i think like i've heard radio stations play persona non grata just because they get to like lead in with, oh well, this is the first Bright Eye single since 2011, mm-hmm. uh, and then they kind of just, you know, it's a very rare occurrence, and then they go back to playing the Lana Del Rey cover of "Doing Time" for the billionth time. Of time. <laughs> so, uh, what are what are your thoughts? What are what are the first things that jumped out at you when you? Uh, listen to this one
1: well although connor did say and i mentioned it before like this album isn't really a political statement you know we don't have a when the president talks to god type of song i Mm. think this is obviously a very uh, like almost like an indictment of where we're at socially culturally obviously mainly from a u.s point of view uh because that's where we are and where he is i think that's where a lot of it comes in i could probably go on a roll here too and just like I I have a feeling you're going to make mention of this lyric too um, with string of happy accidents. And I asked for it. I think it kind of actually sets a tone for a a sort of a shame of fatalism. I can't change anything. Whatever happens happens. I'm not going to worry about it. And then later he kind of no. he said, I was a coward. I'm ready for the war. And I feel like those two things play into each other. Like I was resigned to just who cares nihilism fatalism I know I'm mixing different philosophies there into I was a coward I'm 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 going to stand up now there is something worth fighting for the tie in that I wanted to make when we were discussing uh
0: forced convalescence like in that stanza uh th- the next one um which is definitely like Uh, It it definitely supports your idea of the the shame of having that fatalist or learned helpless mentality towards living. So it's like a crying traitor who swears he'll get out of the game. That to me, it's not stated explicitly in the text, but it sounds like that's not the first time he's done that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you kind of, if you're crying, you realize that you've made a mistake. You have to have some experience. I doubt it's the first time, but then the, the other one, the nail in the coffin, forgive the pun. Uh, the cowboy drinks himself to death, fresh out of rehab. And it's yeah. like, is he talking like, is this another Connor? Is this like if forced convalescence wasn't a song and nobody was, you know, strapping him down to the bed and making sure he doesn't, you know, go crazy and again, Connor, the the character, not Connor, the man, is he talking about himself too? Like, I think all of us have, to some extent, some destructive quality that is checked by community, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are people around you, hopefully, in theory, that will recognize you doing shitty things and and tell you or force you to stop doing shitty things and make you a better person. Um, We do sadly live oh, God, how political do we want to get here? Are, are we is this, are as we, political as we want, man? This is our show. Yeah, this is our show. I mean, we do live in a in a country and society where, like... You live in a society. You live in a society here. Yeah. <laughs> Individualism is just kind of destroying us. Yes. Like this. Uh-huh. You no, know, we live in community. We There's no such thing as doing something on your own. That's right. a myth, and it's killing us.
1: Real quick about how political we want to get. Yeah. Uh, Connor was a part of Destaparacitos, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> just I'm just, gonna... just...
0: <laughs> there's
1: not too much to hide behind. <laughs> Literally has a song called "The Left Is Right." So yeah, we. I... <laughs> um, but You're beating I, like... around the world's smallest bush. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I think like you said, it's, it's community, it's individual uh, versus individualism and, and those sorts of things. And I, I think as well, I, I noted kind of the contrast between kind of our crumbling state of mankind. Uh, it talks about the 405, which is an interstate in California falling down. So like we have our crumbling man-made infrastructure uh, contrasted with, he talks Everest, the Mariana Trench, Stonehenge, which I know technically isn't like a natural thing, but it stood untouched, right? It's its a—it's uh, preserved versus this interstate in California that's driven on every day. And um, but you know we, we have this our, our crumbling societies and the the failing roads and and these buildings and people that just can't survive. Uh, kind of our own humanity, and uh, yeah, and I guess that that's a good uh, contrast
0: between like those three things that you mentioned. Like, technically, the highest place in the world, technically the lowest place in the world, mm-hmm. which will continue to be there. This ancient structure, which will continue to be there, but you know, the thing that we actually use and we need to to be is you know going to shit. Yeah, um, and and I think the the line. That, this, uh, that Stonehenge is mentioned. Like, look long at that Stonehenge. Look quick. Is it something you missed? And it's like, I get this image in my head of somebody staring at this ancient structure. And they go to walk away and like looking back again, like I'm still, I'm not, there's something I'm missing here. And I think when you look at things like that are, oh, to get all philosophical, when something is like sublime, it is something beautiful, but not in like a friendly way. It's like when you look at the ocean and you acknowledge that the ocean is beautiful, but at the same time you acknowledge that it's vast and deep and, uh, you know, impenetrable and unknowing and destructive, that is sublime. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something sublime about like Stonehenge and like knowing that that thing existed for so long and that humans made it. Um, And is there something sublime about a crumbling highway? Interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Like beautiful in a tragic way. So I wanna I wanna pivot, and I wanna say I wanna ask to kind of wrap up our discussion of these four singles. Um, where do you see this album going? Do you have any ideas on what kind of story is going to be told?
1: Um, what are you What are your thoughts on uh, uh, "Down in the Weeds"? Uh, it's really really hard for me to say because I think we have four very different songs. I know obviously there are there are things that tie them together, but I think they all tell sort of different stories. I I'm going to I'm going to follow up what you're saying
0: with something I think I I've, I've told you before that with the album art that we've got, I think that we are getting something even if it's tangential and maybe not overt, we're getting a people's key sequel. Okay. More or less uh just because the the album art is like a bunch of like humanoid silhouette figures floating towards some center and then there's that line from uh the people's key the song something about like and the bodies float and form some kind of code right yeah mm-hmm. and so that's that's the 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 image of like these these humanoid figures sort of like that look like they're floating and i think even in some of like the the youtube um song visualizers like you've got these eerie floating figures there's something there and triple spiral too there's the um the looking into a porthole to see the past mm-hmm. and even though that's just like yeah you're looking back on memories but there is something kind of sci-fi about like looking into another reality right and I think like those ideas sort of blending together I can kind of see like maybe we're just gonna get vignettes of different possibilities Mm -hmm. and um, definitely more on the sci-fi end of things. But the last thing I'm going to say is I also think that there is going to be like some sort of culty subtext to it Hmm. for a few reasons. So like in two of the four songs that we've got, Sacrifice was a big prominent feature in Mariana Trench Uh, Look hard for a harder something to sacrifice, which is a really interesting line we can spend forever dissecting. And then stood in your prom dress, all covered in blood. What you sacrificed will never be enough. Interesting. Yeah. Then there's also the, I befriended all my enemies. They had my back against the wall. Like there's this begrudging allegiance to something that you don't want to be part of. I don't know, I'm getting almost like a fantasy, like, you know, okay, I'm going to show my nerd sleeves here. Like, if you play D&D, the idea of a warlock, like, you're beholden to a greater power. And there's this sort of dark undertone where it's, like, you know, not unlike how it's like to be in, in the world as it is today. Like, you kind of have to work for someone. You have to be beholden to some greater force, even if it's not one that you agree with. Right. Um and I can see that taking more of like a supernatural slant in an album
1: than, you know, just talking plainly about, you know, life sucks. You got to work for the dollar somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it being uh being that spiritual successor to People's Key. Kind of that idea of spiritual successor was such a better way of saying. It. <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> go on. <laughs> kind of like the the individual within the community, within the the larger scope of what humanity is both both in the physical and i'm going to use the word spiritual again because it fits but both in the physical and the spiritual so like you know because there was we know connor is a religious you know but he clearly draws a lot of uh inspiration in people's key from rastafari um mm, teaching yeah. like and and that kind of like sort of this like i and i um that we are individuals but at the end of the day you know we are also uh united under the sort of personhood of of humanity as well i we could definitely definitely see it being uh on that kind of in that camp uh, for sure and
0: i don't i don't think it's too much of a stretch either considering like i personally as much as I as I think like we're gonna go to town on Fevers and Mirrors, I am really eager to talk about Casadega because there is just so much like occult imagery, and he borrows so much from uh, William Butler Yates. Who, if anybody is familiar with with that man, <laughs> uh, I will have some shit to say about. <laughs> Dear old WB Yates, when we get to uh, Casadega, but I, I don't think it's it's too out of the realm of expectation that we're gonna get some occulty, if not culty, imagery in this coming album.
1: Well, I think speaking of, you know, when you get to Casadega, that now might be a good time to mention kind of like where we're where we're headed. Uh, because mm, after yes. after this uh, you know, we kind of wanted to talk about these singles because they had just come out, but we want to explore, obviously, the, the full discography of Connor um, and also uh, Ed Bright Eyes first, but then, you know, uh, Connor um, continuing as well. So we want to start off with letting off the happiness, which will be the next episode. There's so much. To say in that it really is for me what what is the first real Bright Eyes record, which is kind of why we chose to start there. So if you enjoyed this, we do hope that you'll uh, you'll join us to listen to our kind of crazy ramblings and thoughts about letting off the happiness. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving
0: into if if this episode was like tearing apart a poem or like a chapter of a book, you're going to get the full we are we are going through this book, talking about all of the major points, and uh, you're you're essentially. If you had to take a Bright Eyes quiz the next day, you're gonna want to listen to our podcast because <laughs> you're gonna ace that test.
1: Yeah. Well, we uh, we definitely appreciate everyone uh, everyone sticking in. Hope you'll join us the next time. But for now, have a have an excellent rest of your day from us here at Connor's Basement. Catch you guys down here next time.